Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Charles. And today, we have part 3 of Felicia and the Pot of Pinks. And this is the final part of the tale, so if you haven't already, head back to part 1 from 2 episodes ago, and get yourself caught up. Because we're going to head right into this wonderful finale of Felicia and the Pot of Pinks. Bruno had gone out into the forest, never thinking that Felicia would search in his room for the pinks, and she was delighted by his unexpected absence, and thought to get them back without further trouble. But as soon as she entered the room, she saw a terrible army of rats who were guarding the straw bed, and when she attempted to approach it, they sprang at her, biting and scratching furiously. Quite terrified, she drew back, crying out, Oh, my dear pinks, how can you stay here in such bad company? Then she suddenly bethought herself of the water in the pitcher, and, hoping that it might have some magic power, she ran to fetch it, and sprinkled a few drops over the fierce-looking swarm of rats. In a moment, not a tail or whisker was to be seen. Each one had made for his hole as fast as his legs could carry him so that the princess could safely take her pot of pinks. She found them nearly dying for want of water, and hastily poured all that was left in the pitcher upon them. As she bent over them, enjoying their delicious scent, a soft voice that seemed to rustle among the leaves said, Lovely Felicia, the day has come at last when I may have the happiness of telling you how even the flowers love you and rejoice in your beauty. The princess, quite overcome by the strangeness of hearing a cabbage, a hen, and a pink speak, and by the terrible sight of an army of rats, suddenly became very pale and fainted away. At this moment in came Bruno. Working hard in the heat had not improved his temper, and when he saw that Felicia had succeeded in finding her pinks, he was so angry that he dragged her out into the garden and shut the door upon her. The fresh air soon made her open her pretty eyes, and there before her stood the queen of the woods, looking as charming as ever. You have a bad brother, she said. I saw how cruelly he turned you out. Shall I punish him for it? Ha! Huh. No, madam, she said, I'm not angry with him, but supposing he was not your brother after all, what would you say then? asked the queen. Oh, but I think he must be, said Felicia. What? said the queen. Have you not heard that you are a princess? I was told so a little while ago, madam, but how could I believe it without a single proof? Ah, dear child, said the queen. The way you speak assures me that, in spite of your humble upbringing, you are indeed a real princess, and I can save you from being treated in such a way again. She was interrupted at this moment by the arrival of a very handsome young man. He wore a coat of green velvet fastened with emerald clasps and a crown of pinks on his head. He knelt upon one knee and kissed the queen's hand. Ah, she cried, my pink dear son. What a happiness to see you restored to your natural shape by Felicia's aid. And she embraced him joyfully. Then, turning to Felicia, she said, Charming princess, I know all the hen told you, but you cannot have heard that the Zephyrs, to whom was entrusted the task of carrying my son to the tower where the queen your mother so anxiously waited for him, left him instead in a garden of flowers, 
while they flew off to tell your mother, whereupon a fairy with whom I had quarrelled changed him into a pink, and I could do nothing to prevent it. You may imagine how angry I was and how I tried to find some means of undoing the mischief she had done, but there was no help for it. I could only bring Prince Pink to the place where you were being brought up, hoping that when you grew up he might love you, and by your care be restored to his natural form. And you see, everything has come right as I had hoped it would. Your giving me the silver ring was the sign that the power of the charm was nearly over and my enemy's last chance was to frighten you with her army of rats. That she did not succeed in doing so, now, my dear Felicia, if you will be married to my son with this silver ring, your future happiness is certain. Do you think him handsome and amiable enough to be willing to marry him? Madam, replied Felicia, blushing, you overwhelm me with your kindness. I know that you are my mother's sister, and by your art you turned the soldiers who were sent to kill me into cabbages, and my nurse into a hen, and that you do me only too much honor in proposing that I shall marry your son. How can I explain to you the cause of my hesitation? I feel, for the first time in my life, how happy it would make me to be beloved. Can you indeed give me the prince's heart? It is already yours, lovely princess, he cried, taking her hand in his. But for the horrible enchantment which has kept me silent, I should have told you long ago how dearly I love you. This made the princess very happy, and the queen, who could not bear to see her dressed like a poor shepherdess, touched her with her wand, saying, I wish you to be attired as befits your rank and beauty. And immediately the princess's cotton dress became a magnificent robe of silver brocade embroidered with carbuncles, and her soft dark hair was encircled by a crown of diamonds, from which floated a clear white veil. With her bright eyes and the charming color in her cheeks, she was altogether a dazzling sight that the prince could hardly bear it. How pretty you are, Felicia, he cried. Don't keep me in suspense, I entreat you. Say that you will marry me. Ah, said the queen, smiling. I think she will not refuse now. Just then, Bruno, who was going back to his work, came out of the cottage and thought he must be dreaming when he saw Felicia. But she called him very kindly and begged the queen to take pity on him. What? said she, when he was so unkind to you. Ah, madam, said the princess, I am so happy that I should like to see everybody else to be happy too. The queen kissed her and said, Well, to please you, let me see what I can do for this cross Bruno. And, with a wave of her hand, she turned the poor little cottage into a splendid palace full of treasures. Only the two stools and the straw bed remained just as they were, to remind him of his former poverty. Then the queen touched Bruno himself and made him gentle and polite and grateful, and he thanked her and the princess a thousand times. Lastly, the queen restored the hen and the cabbages to their natural forms and left them all very contented. The prince and princess were married as soon as possible with great splendor and lived happily ever after. And that is the story of Felicia and the Pot of Pinks. And the third act really does take off and wrap absolutely everything up in a very lovely way. A, a story that ends with forgiveness and love all around. And it is our first tale that has ended with the words, Lived happily ever after in this storybook.
And that's something special all by itself. This is Dan Scholes from the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Folktale Project. You can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen. And you can always head over to folktaleproject.com where you'll find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>